Well, I'm excited to be here speaking with you this morning, the 11.35 service, which means that I've had two times to practice this sermon, so you get the best one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I have really enjoyed this uh, series we've done the last few weeks, talking about by design. Um, I think just me personally, my personality, I love design. I love things that are created out of nothing. Uh, I, I love great artwork. My wife and I have artwork in our home that we've commissioned, and it's a unique kind of piece. I love that kind of stuff. I love photography. Uh, I love designing things. Uh, one of my favourite jobs before I became uh, a minister was uh, being the managing director of an advertising agency, and I did that for a couple of years, and I loved it. I loved having clients come in, and you've got to meet some kind of need to help them with their product, and you're cr- basically creating something out of nothing. You have to create names, logos, looks, brands, taglines, all those kind of things. And then you are judged by the fruit of your success based on how they actually did. I love that. It was just fun. I uh, really enjoyed it. So I like design. I like, I like how shoes are designed. I like shoes. I like looking at a pair of shoes and go, oh, they're nicely designed. They're stylish. Yeah. I like Italian shoes. I don't mind telling you that. I'm happy to tell you. Pastor Clinton and I go shoe shopping together. No joke. That's, that's what we do. We, uh, I mean, we worship and pray as well, but I love, I just love design. I love it. And uh, I've loved learning over these past few weeks how we are designed to build, we're designed to beautify, we're designed to be a blessing. And today we're going to look at how we're designed to be with God. From the very beginning of man's existence, we were designed to be with God. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us, let's stop there after two words, let us. It's one of the first times in the Bible when we understand the concept of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is God talking about saying, let us do something. And the Trinity is going to form a big part of our talk today about what we're going to discuss. God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. How incredible to think that God created you and I in his likeness. Amazing. Think about it this way. God's an artist. Okay? His very first work was a self-portrait. He painted us to look like him. Some of you need just to hear that today. That can change the perspective of your life today if you'll understand that you were designed and painted to be like God because you don't feel worthy to be like God. Yet God created you and designed you to look like him. What an honour. I think that's an honour. And then we read further on in the story in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place and then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. God said to the man, it is not good for you to be alone. We were not designed to be alone. We were designed to be with somebody. Now, I don't watch a lot of television. 
Uh, the reason I don't watch a lot of television is because I don't have a lot of time to watch television. And to be honest with you, most of the stuff on television these days is just complete and utter rubbish. Uh, and, not, and even if the content of the TV program isn't rubbish, the commercials are. I mean, you can't even watch the golf without watching inappropriate commercials for my eight-year-old son. So that's just reality. So I don't like watching it a lot. I have to fast-forward through things all the time. But there is a program that I do like to watch that's on right now, uh, and I kind of watch it just when I'm, I just need brain-free time, and it's called Alone. It's a reality TV program, and I don't really watch a lot of reality TV, but I love this one. Because what they do is they take a group of survival experts, survivalists, not, not just average Joe lows like you and I who think that we could do okay in the wilderness. No, these people are trained in doing this. And then they put them in the wilderness, and they basically just see how long they can last. Could, could, could go on for a year. It's, it's, in, it's an incredible concept. And I love watching the interviews with people who go on the show because they're all like ex-Navy SEALs and they're like, oh, people who, you know, they run survivalist camps and whatever and they're like, they're getting interviewed before the show and they're like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to be, I'm not scared to be alone. Can't wait to be out there. I hope there's bears out there. Those bears better fear me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not scared of no bear. And then day one, of this current season. Day one, this big ex-Navy SEAL dude, he's like eight foot 11. <laughs> and it's during the day, and he's got his little tent that he's made up, and there's a bear outside his tent, and he's crying on his, on his thing. Look, come and get me, come and get me, the bear's gonna get me. <laughs> See, the only thing they get is a radio to tap out. So basically, they have no supplies. They just go in there, and then all you've got is, so as soon as you can't handle it anymore, call us, we'll come pick you up. Now, you know what I really find amazing? Are the people who, uh, on, and these people are crazy talented. I mean, they, honestly, within two days, they've like made a kitchen out of seaweed. <laughs> One guy like made a full-on bathroom, like out of bamboo and whatever, and he had a working shower that he walked in and he'd press a pedal and water would come down, down a stream, pedaled through, and he's sitting there going, oh, yeah, I love the outdoors. I'm like, send him to Haiti. But you know what? After eight, nine days, they start to not be able to handle it anymore. Not because they can't survive, but because they don't like being alone. And they miss the touch of their loved ones. They miss the touch of their family, their kids. And they're like, I just don't want to be here anymore. I could stay here for a long time, but I don't want to. You know why? Because we're not designed to be alone. You ask any prisoner. There's tough people in prison. Not a lot of weak people in prison. Tough people. You ask them the one place, the toughest person in the prison doesn't want to go. Solitary confinement. Nobody wants that. Nobody. Even the toughest of the tough, it'll break them down. Why? Because we weren't designed to be alone. Originally, Adam and Eve were designed to be in the garden with God. Adam, Eve, and God. What a great party. That, that, that's like a fun combo right there. Just Adam, Eve, in the garden. And then they sinned. We know the story. So what's their first reaction when they sinned? They tried to hide. Tried to escape. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves with the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God, God called to Adam and he said to him, where are you? And he said, well, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Can I tell you something very important today? The greatest obstacle to you enjoying and being with God is sin. 
Sin in your life will separate you from God. It's what robs us of being designed to do what we were designed to do, which is to be with him. And that's where we see the most beautiful part of God's design that we've ever seen in human history was his design to send Jesus to solve the problem. The problem of sin. God sends his son Jesus. Now the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament wrote about Jesus many hundreds of years before Jesus even came to the earth. In Isaiah 7, he tells the story of what's going to happen. He says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Do you know in the Old Testament, Jesus was prophesied. There was never a person in human history, either before or since Jesus, who has had a collection of books written about them before they were born. Not one. So when people ask me what's the difference about Jesus... I'm like, the list is long. Let's start with this one. Nobody. You know why? Because Jesus wasn't just someone. He was the one. So he was the one that was going to save. And his name was going to be called Emmanuel. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. All these wonderful names that Jesus was to be given. I want us to take a little bit of time to understand today what the word Emmanuel means. Emmanuel is the name that we sing. Sing about at Christmas. Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We sang it this morning. But we don't always know what it means and we don't know how it applies to us on a day-to-day basis. So how do we know what it means? How do we understand it? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. And in the Old Testament, Jesus was given lots of names. And Joseph was told to name him Jesus. We read about that in Matthew chapter 1. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream and saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not and take unto yourself Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. Jesus, the name Jesus means one who saves. The name Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus was the God who saves and is with us. Jesus was God in the flesh. you understand that? Jesus came, he was like God with skin on. That's who he was. A walking God on this earth. See, all through the Old Testament, people have been pursuing a relationship with God. They've been chasing after him. And then now God comes to the people in the form of Jesus, his son. Jesus makes it possible for them to understand who God really is. And he came to this earth and he dwelt on this earth. as his dwelling place. Jesus was God's temple on this earth. See, up until then, God had been found, the, spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and God had been found in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, in a building. But here, we have a time when God is now found in a person. And Jesus 
walked around with his disciples, physically walked around. It's one of the reasons I actually want to go to Israel. I want to go to the Holy Land because I want to see what it's like to walk around where Jesus walked. And I do want to try and walk on water. I just want to try it. I'm a risk taker. I just, I just think, well, who knows? The Dead Sea could be really thick right now. I don't know. I just want to walk where Jesus walked. I want to understand what it's like to be in those places. See, Jesus was able to do a lot more than just walk with his disciples. The Holy Spirit dwelled within him. Do you understand the Holy Spirit had been in the Ark of the Covenant, experienced by the high priest once a year? And here we have Jesus walking around with people, with the Holy Spirit, taking the Holy Spirit to people who had never experienced him before. Do you understand there's only a very short time in history where this happened, where the Holy Spirit was still in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, but also in Jesus at the same time. It was only for a really short period of time. Incredible when you think about it. Jesus was able to go to all these places, take the Holy Spirit with him, meet people who would never have gone to the temple. Jesus went to meet with tax collectors. He went to meet with uh, thieves, lepers, basically all the bad people. That's where Jesus went. And he took the Holy Spirit with him. Jesus, you know, Jesus basically went to be with the bad people. I think people think today, you know what, uh, I'm a bad person and once I become good, then I'm going to become a Christian. Once I work out how to be good, you know, then once I can actually do it, my, well, you've got it around the wrong way. Jesus is what allows us to be made perfect. Jesus loves our ugly. Do you know that? We have, we all, we've all got it. And Jesus loves us regardless. Even when we get it wrong, he loves us. Now the disciples saw Jesus walking around and they saw these incredible miracles. He's with them. They're enjoying Jesus being with them. They're like, yeah, we like Emmanuel, Jesus with us, God with us. We like that. That's good. And we're going to follow him around and we help him out and he does the miracles and it's really good. We've got a good thing going on here. And then Jesus says, hey, uh, I'm actually going to die pretty soon and uh, then I'm going to go and be with my father. And they're like, whoa, whoa, time out. I'm uh, not sure if we're ready for that yet. Um, how's this going to work? Like, if you're not here, how are we going to do this? Because we've got a really good thing going on. Don't want you to mess it up. So he replies to them in John chapter 14. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So that's what Jesus promises to his disciples. And then just a little short period of time later, he dies on the cross. And as he dies on the cross, the temple where the Holy Spirit is and the Holy of Holies has this massive veil big curtain. It was about 60 feet high, 18 inches deep, and it tore from top to bottom, the Bible tells. Didn't tear from the bottom up. Man didn't tear it. God tore it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, free, first time in history. 
all of a sudden, people understand Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He was walking around in a human body, living and laughing with us as one of us. And we have to understand that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is after he just said, I'm going to leave you. (laughs) So he says, I'm going to leave you and then I'm going to come to you. So do you understand? I think we understand God the Father, separate. Jesus the Son, separate. The Holy Spirit, separate. We understand praying to the Father. We understand praying through Jesus. We understand praying by the Holy Spirit. But we struggle to wrap our heads around the three in one. That when we have an encounter with Jesus, we're having an encounter with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. When we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, we're having an encounter with God and Jesus. When we have an encounter with God, we're having an encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? So this incredible opportunity where these people realised that to be near Jesus was actually to be near God and to be near Jesus was to be near the presence of God. But to know Jesus was to actually know God, to have the very presence of God with them. And you know what? When you have the presence of God with you and you accept the free gift of salvation, you say, Jesus, I want you to come and live in me. I want to live for you. I want your free gift. You know, nothing can separate you from that. Nothing. Short of you turning your back and rejecting Jesus and saying, I, you are no longer my saviour. But short of doing that, nothing can separate you. Nothing. Romans chapter 8, For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from Jesus. And look, trust me, the devil will try. He will try to separate you. He will try to get in the middle. He will do anything he can to destroy you. But can I tell you, the Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And when you have Jesus in you, you win. You win. And if you're not used to winning, that's hard. Because you think, but pastor, you don't understand. I just lose all the time. Can I tell you that with Jesus, you will win. And when Jesus comes into our life, He doesn't just desire to come in and just be our saviour. He desires to come in and now actually build a relationship with us and for us to build a relationship with him. We looked at week two of this series, how we're designed to build. And I can promise you, you will never build a relationship with God by just coming to church once a week and doing a daily devotional for 90 seconds a day. You just won't. But we are called to build a relationship with God Pastor Rick Warren said this, he said, I think friendship with God is built by sharing all of your life experiences with him. All of them. I love that. I think it's important, obviously, to have a a daily habit of a, a daily devotional time. But can I promise you this? God wants more than just an appointment in your calendar. He doesn't just want that. He wants to be a part of your life every day. He wants to be included in every activity, every conversation, every problem, every thought, every decision. Basically like a continuous, open-ended conversation that starts from the second that you wake up and it doesn't finish until the moment you put your head on your pillow and you go to sleep. It's a non-stop conversation with God where he's involved in everything that you do and think and say through the day. That's what it's meant to be like. 
1 Thessalonians 5.17, we're meant to pray without ceasing, never stop. It doesn't matter if you're shopping, driving, changing a diaper, whatever you're doing, you probably need it then. (laughs) It's having a conversation with God. It's involving Him in every part of your life, in every day tasks that we go through. And I think there's a common misconception that spending time with God means you have to go away on some spiritual retreat somewhere. And that's the only way that you can spend time with God. And I think there's important times when we do need to go away. But, but spending time away is only a tiny part of our day. The rest of our day, what are we doing with it? We should be spending our time with God. All you have to do is invite him in. There's a great book written in the 17th century Uh, It was called Practicing the Presence of God. It was written by a Catholic monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. And it was about learning how to develop a constant conversation with God. And uh, Brother Lawrence was a cook in the monastery, like the lowest job in the monastery. And he wrote this book about how he could turn even the most commonplace menial tasks, like preparing meals, washing dishes, into acts of praise and communion with God. I think it's amazing. And he said this, he said, I think the key to friendship with God is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. I love that. See, in other words, take what you normally do for yourself and now start doing it for God. Do the same thing, but now start doing it for God. Mindset change, attitude change, perspective change. Whether it's eating, bathing, working, relaxing, taking out the trash, whatever you're doing. See, God's ideal life with you, God with us, is to be with you all the time. All the time. Do you know what the ideal really looks like? It looks like the Garden of Eden. If we want to know what the ideal looks like, that's what it is. That's what God designed it. You know, we don't have to look far. We can see that what he wanted. Now, we, we had worship night on Friday night here. I love worship night. Love it. But you know what? I don't think there was a worship night in the Garden of Eden. I don't think there was a special slot on the calendar for worship. It was a perpetual state and attitude of worship nonstop all the time. That's the ideal. That's what God wanted. And God wants to spend time with us. Do you know that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, he comes into you. That means God dwells in you. That means the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So right now, if you love Jesus and you're searching for God, then you don't have to look any further than the seat you are sitting in right now. Where you are sitting right now, there's God. Because he's with you. You don't have to go looking for him. He hasn't lost you. He's with you. He wants to spend time with you. He desires. He's our heavenly father. He desires to spend time with us. I'm a father. I love spending time with my family. It's one of the things that I look forward to the most is spending time with my family, with Mandy, Emma, and George. It's fun. It's a natural thing. I'm their father, and I love to spend time with them. Last night, we went out for a family dinner. And... uh, you know, we, we, we always have, you know, we have collaborative conversations about where we're going to go for dinner, which kind of go, Mandy, where do you want to go? Uh, anywhere that serves chicken. <laughs> and that's where we go. So we know all the great chicken places. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> and I'm sitting there last night, 
And, and, uh, and there's Mandy, Emma, and George, and I'm looking at the three of them, and, and I'm just loving being with them. We're not even talking. We're just looking at each other. <laughs> and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, wow, how blessed am I? And then I started to feel sorry for them because they're looking at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but I looked at them and I started taking photos of Emma and George. And, and, and if I want to take a photo of Emma and George, that's not hard. I can say, can I take a photo? And they're like. <laughs> Mandy, not so much. I have to snap photos of her, post them, and then apologize. But I'm looking at her last night, I'm looking at her kids, and I'm like, they're beautiful. And they're just incredible people. My wife is a beautiful woman. That's okay for me to say that. If you nod your head, I'm coming after you. <laughs> By the way, um, I was challenged a few years ago, and, I, and I've, I've taken myself up on this challenge. The word beautiful is the word that I only, see, the only time I ever use that adjective is to talk about my wife. I don't use it for anything else. It's her word. If you ever hear me say the word beautiful, it's about her. Husbands, you want to know how to love your wife? Give her a word that's hers. That was for free. <laughs> and I'm looking at them. And I'm like, I do, you know why I want to be with them? Because they want to be with me. They want to be with me. Do you know when God looks at you, you're his children, he, he's like, oh, they want to be with me. They want to be with me. They want, they want me to be a part of every conversation. When my kids want to be a, when they say, Dad, what do you think about this? I, I get warm on the inside. I love that. And if you're a parent and your kids don't want you to be a part of your life, you know what that feels like. It's not fun. If, if you don't have kids, maybe you've got a friend and you're going through a tough time and you need a friend to reach out to and you, you, you reach out to them and you say, hey, listen, I need somebody to spend some time with. They're like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I can't do it. And it hurts. Because you've got nobody and you feel alone. Can I tell you, you'll never be alone with Jesus. You'll never be alone with God because He desires to be with you all the time and He wants to enjoy your company and He loves it and there's nothing more He'd rather do than spend time with you. So what are you going to do to spend time with Emmanuel? What's your plan? Do you have a plan? You need a plan. And I know, like if any of you if you wanted to achieve something in life, you'd set a plan and you'd make it happen. You would make a plan. So make a plan to build a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Make a plan. Don't give Him the token leftovers. Don't give Him the scraps of your calendar. Give Him the best. Plan your life around Him. If you don't know who Jesus is today, as our team comes forward, I want to read to you what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says this, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Can I tell you that Jesus is standing at your door today because he desires to be with you because you were designed to be with him? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus is a gentleman and he is standing on the other side of your door. And if you don't know who he is today, if you don't know who Jesus is, then I want to give you an opportunity. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed and nobody's looking around, it's a moment of total privacy. It's only just me and you. 
And if you want to give your life to Jesus, and people have done this all services across this morning, and you want to say, Jesus, I need you. I, need, I want to be in a relationship with you. I've been waiting. I've been trying to get good before I come to you. And I understand now. Thank you, God, that you love me in my ugly. And I want to come to you now. I want to give my life to you. If that's you, would you lift your hand up now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand and say, yeah, I want Jesus. I need Jesus, Lord. I need Jesus. I see your hand. I see your hand there. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand over here. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. Jesus loves you. He loves you so, so much. He just wants to desire. He just wants to be with you. That's all. He just wants to be with you. Is there anybody else? You just want to be with Jesus today. You want to experience him today. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you lifted your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me and I want everybody in this room who already loves Jesus to repeat this prayer with them. Let's do it as a family. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please come into my life today. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the lives changed this morning. I thank you, Lord, for those people who have given their life to you and who desire to be with you and have a relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow them to see this morning that you love them in who they are, where they are right now, but you desire from this day forward to build a relationship with them so that they can have a time with you that is incredible. Allow them to sense and feel your love and the hope that comes through Jesus this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.